My name is Chris. I am the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, as Alex said, we are one church, multiple campuses. We have our Keller campus, which is our main campus with our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff. And uh, it, it is always amazing to me and so important as each and every week it's someone's first time. If this is your first time and you snuck in and I didn't get to see you, I look forward to hopefully meeting you after service. We're honored that you joined us today and we're grateful that you're here. Uh, today, I want to share a very special message. We kind of just wrapped up a series we're in, but every now and again, I'll take a, uh, a few moments through the course of the year and we'll focus on vision or maybe something particular we feel like the Lord has uh, and is speaking to us. And so today I want to talk about hope. And I want to talk about finding hope in moments of uncertainty. I want you to open up your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, and put your finger there or the back button if you're using a smartphone, okay, and go to Isaiah 43. We're going to go to Isaiah 43 in just a minute as well. You know, when I think about uh, this message, it really started from a moment that we had during a worship, uh, during our worship uh, a few weeks ago. And I came up and we were praying over specific prayer needs and just started praying for God to do new things. And I was reminded, I had this thought about what happens when new things, we all like new, right up until new happens. It's kind of like change. We all like change right up until change happens. You're like, whoa, uh, less of that. I'm not a big fan of change. And, and new is exciting and it's fun, but there's a couple of things that come along with new. It's unfamiliar. It's a little uncomfortable. It, it doesn't fit like that old pair of jeans that were your favorite jeans, or those old shoes, or that car that you once had. Or what we all want new things. We're all looking for something new. We we like what new represents, but we have to embrace the uncomfortable nature that new can bring. It's unfamiliar. And we're not sure if we really, really want it. Last week I actually shared, we all want growth. But we don't like to struggle. But guess what? If you're going to grow, you've got to struggle. You're going to have to strengthen yourself. And, and that's what God is talking about here. That's what the writer of Isaiah is talking about here. And God's wanting to speak to us, I think, through the words of Isaiah. In Isaiah 43, verse 19, it says this. It says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Now Isaiah is dialing into something very specific. Because twice right here, he's talking about our perspective. How do you see it? I talk about perspective a lot. I've just found in 42 years of living and in over 21 years of being in full-time ministry that it really comes down to perspective. If you don't see it right, you won't respond right. You won't, you won't, you won't see how you should live out what God is asking. And that's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying, behold, hey, look, I got something new for you. Can't you see it? Don't you perceive it? You see, we like new, but sometimes we miss it when it comes by. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love, if, if I had a Bible in my Bible, you'll see it. If I were to show it to you, I will. I think underline that, circle it, whatever you think. Just, I will, I will make a way. He's going to make a way. We just got done singing that. I will make a way. Why do we like that song? You may not have even known those words. It's like it's real simple. You just start singing it. Why does it resonate? Because that's what we're looking for, a way. And I want to talk about a path forward this morning on how to find hope in moments of uncertainty because we all experience new and we all experience things that are uncertain. But God's word, his truth, says that you can find hope 
in the midst of uncertain times. Now, you may be thinking, well, Chris, are you talking about the election? Are you talking COVID-19? Are you talking about no? And yes. Circumstances and situations change. Elected officials change. This isn't the first global pandemic that has hit the earth. It's just one you know more about because we're watching all the news channels and it's on our phone and it's on social media. So you can get overrun and inundated with all this information and it's amazing how uncertainty and anxiety just wells up inside and you start feeling the pressure of all that, but you can have hope in the middle of uncertainty. You see, we like new, but with new comes excitement and comes new levels of anxiety. You know what I'm talking about. If you have children, you try to introduce something new for them to eat. You know what I'm talking about. If you got young kids, you may even have teenagers. You're like, I'm still in this battle. They only eat three things, you know. You know what I'm talking about. It is a full-on corporate international merger to try and get a child to eat something new that they do not like. And here's the thing. It's not even that they don't like the food because they haven't tried it yet. They don't like the uncertainty. Can I tell you something? We're no different. We're no different. It's not that we don't like new. We like new, but what we don't like is the uncertainty. Because when you step into an uncertain situation, all of a sudden there's a little anxiety. There's a little bit of franticness. There's some uncharted territory you've never been in. I was in uncharted territory yesterday. You see, as much as you like to introduce your kids to new things to eat, you also like to expose them to new things. Like you want to do new, exciting things, you know? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, all right, we're going to try this. We're going to try that. Let's do these things. Well, at our house, you know, as the girls are getting older, Christmas is kind of a fun time. Well, last year, it was our first Christmas in our house, and the house we were in, they had lights that had like been pre-cut and, and, and laid out for the, for the house. But I was like, man, I, I don't know about all this. I'm not sure. I ain't get. I haven't been on this roof yet, and we were running out of time, so I just did what any dad would do. I just stuck them in the ground. It was amazing. It worked out perfect. Right along the flower beds, it was perfect. The kids liked it. You know, you buy them a little inflatable. You know, we got an elf. We got a, a llama. I think we got a, 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 a terrier boxer or something. You, just, you, know, they, you know, whatever. They like it. We got Christmas hats on it. So we get a new one every year. At some point, I put a stop to it or else I'm going to have like 85, uh, you know, inflatables in front of my house. And so it, it's, we, we do it. But this year, I was like, I, wanted, I want new. I want new. But I started thinking about I don't really want to be up on that roof. So I was driving in my neighborhood. My neighbor was having a guy put lights on his house. Hey, man, work smarter, not harder. I stopped and I said, hey, brother, see that house right there? How much would it be for you to do the same over there? And he said, I'll give you a quote. So he texted me the number, and I texted him back. He, he texted me how much it'd be. I said, done. You can come over. So he came over yesterday. And he put them up, but he was like, do you want new LED lights? I was like, I don't know. Do I want new LED lights? And he's like, oh, you do? I said, well, how much do these new LED lights cost me? And he told me, I said, no, nah, I'm good with the old ones. <laughs> Let's just start there. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that maybe later, okay? So he puts them on. And he's like, I'm just telling you, you're going to need new ones because the cable and the cord and because I put them on the ground we have rabbits all over our neighborhood and he's like man them rabbits they got like razor teeth they just and he showed me like them rabbits had not through like all the I'm like what is happening you know and so it's like 
killer rabbits everywhere eating my Christmas lights. So he fixed it. He got it up there, but they're older bulbs. So there was, of course, one bulb. It's always one. If there's five, I would have been fine. Just let it be. It was whatever, you know, one, one side of the house. One bulb. It's out. And I, it's like right over my garage. And it's on the far side. It's like the steepest section. So in that moment, I had a decision to make. Do I get on the roof in uncharted territory and fix this bulb, or do I just leave it be? I had to get on that roof. I couldn't leave it. Just one bulb. I'm, I'm getting up there, okay? So I get up there, and of course, I'm like on the side. I'm trying not to slide down, and I get down to this bulb, and I'm, I'm untwisting it. The things you do for your kids, you know what I'm saying? To be honest, though, they didn't care. That was me just kind of being OCD. It's like one bulb. It's just out. It had nothing to do with my kids at that point. I'm like trying to fix it. I'm twisting it, and it turns on, and flickers off, and turns on. and flickers. I finally get it going. I get it on, okay? So then I get back on there, but then something happened that I realized. The way that I got up, I can't get down. So my kids now are freaking out. They're like, Dad, are you going to have to live on the roof? I'm like, man, they're going to have to call the fire department. Preston's going to have to come get me off a roof or something. I mean, it's like, what is happening here? It's like they're going to bring a ladder. I'm like a cat stuck in a tree. You know, they got to get me off of the, they got to get me off the roof. So I was like, okay. On my back patio, I have this area where the barbecue pit is, and it's kind of an elevated area, kind of like this. So I said, go get your mom, tell her to bring the, and they're starting to kind of freak out, like, dad, what's going to happen? Don't fall, don't die. Are you going to live up there forever? I'm like, I'm not living on the roof forever. They like the Christmas lights, but they don't want dad living on the roof, and I'm glad they don't. So Wendy comes, she puts the ladder on this thing. I'm kind of navigating. Of course, all the kids are watching, which may not have been good because if I if I was to fall, you know, it'd be traumatic for them. So I'm over there, and I'm like on here, and it's like not stable. Wendy's holding the ladder. I'm like, Lord, just, just help a brother out here, Lord. Okay? I'm not trying to tempt you, okay, but just get me down, all right? I get down, and then here I am. Crisis averted. I'm able to be here on Sunday with you. Thank God. He helped me. I did contemplate jumping at once. I was like, what's the, what's the highest point in the yard, lowest point of the roof? I can jump down. I'm in uncharted territory. And when you're in uncharted territory, I'd been on many roofs before, just not this roof. And I thought the way that I got up would be the way that I could get down, but it wasn't. And so when we get in uncharted territory, when you're, when you're in uncharted waters, it's unfamiliar. It's unsettling. It's difficult. It's challenging. It brings about uncertainty. It brings about anxiety. It brings about fear because it's new. But you can still have hope in the midst of those moments. You can still find peace in the midst of those moments. So how do we discover that? How do we find hope in moments of uncertainty? When it seems as though there is no way, yet God is saying, I can make a way. In fact, not only can I make a way, I will make a way. You see, none of us like moments of uncertainty. None of us like being in an area where we're uncertain and it's new territory. But we all experience it. No one's immune to it. Young or old, we are all exposed to it. A young person, you're stepping into a new season. It could be college, it could be school. What's my degree? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? It could be the classes you're in. It could be a transition in friends and relationships and things of that nature. How are we going to handle that? What are we going to do and how are we going to navigate that? All of those things. It could be a business merger. It could be the business. Do we expand? Do we not? 
Do I change careers? Do I, do I move into a different field? Whatever it may be, we all have to navigate these moments. I want you to ask yourself this, because if you think, well, I, I'm not in a moment of uncertainty. Those things don't bother me. We all have moments of uncertainty. Because ask yourself, have you ever been here before? The season you're in, the moment you're in, every single day, you're stepping into a new day that you've never been in before. And there just may be a measure of uncertainty and new that you are unaware of that's going to come out of nowhere. And the question is, how are you going to handle it? And will you find hope in it? So where do we do that? How do we find that? How do we discover? I want us to look at the life of Jesus and the disciples. And over the next few minutes, look at a story that helps us understand a little bit of what it looks like for us to be able to find hope in moments of uncertainty. Because that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking for hope in that moment. And when those challenging times come and the uncharted waters come, what are you holding on to? What are you clinging to? What is your hope in? Mark chapter 4, Jesus has been performing all these miracles. He's got this great crowd that's around him. They've been following him. And now he's ready to go to the other side of the sea. And so he tells the disciples right here in Mark chapter 4, this is what he says, starting in verse 35. On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, with, uh, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. So they're not alone. This is not an isolated moment or experience. The disciples aren't out at sea by themselves. Okay? And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. So recognize, Jesus is in the boat with them. Windstorm has come. Waves are crashing in. And what's he doing? Jesus is taking a nap. He don't get seasick. He's just, just fine. But watch what the disciples did. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, when you're in uncharted waters, new uncharted waters can bring new unexpected storms. You may be in the middle of a storm, and that's exactly what happened to these disciples. It comes up, boom, here's a storm. Jesus is in the boat sleeping. And already, look at what happened. They had seen him performing miracles. They had seen him healing. They had heard him teaching. And the first thing they did is they didn't go to like, hey, Jesus, what do you think we should do? Now, remember, these guys, most of them were fishermen at one point in their life. So it's not as if they had never been in a boat. It's not as if they had never been on the, on the water. It's not as if they probably had never been in a storm. But in this moment, such fear and anxiety because of uncertainty rose up inside of them that they already went to the worst extreme. Do you not care? We're perishing. We're done. This is how it's ending. It's over. You ever met someone like that? It's like Chicken Little. The sky is falling. Okay, maybe you got kids like that. I've got a little one. It's either a dance party or the apocalypse. There ain't nothing in between. It's one or the other. And you never know. And sometimes it, I mean, it can switch real quick. It can go from dance party to the apocalypse real fast, all right? And so you never know. You know people like that. That's what happens here. They're why, 
ah, all these miracles, and Jesus is teaching, this is awesome, now we're in a boat, we like boats, we're fishermen, this is fun, windstorm, we're dead, we're dying, what's happening? Do you not care? You see, some of you are in a season of life right now where you're going, God, do you see what's happening in my marriage? Don't you care? You see what's happening in my finances? Don't you care? You see what's happening in my kids' lives? Don't you care? You see what's happening with work and with society? Don't you care? He cares. He's with you and he's for you. And I just want you to know, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of these uncharted waters, as the devil is trying to lie to you and get you to bind to the fact that he does not care, he cares. He's with you and he's for you. Now watch what Jesus does here. I love it. Verse 39. And he woke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. I love how just one word, one word from Jesus, peace, be still. He can speak to any circumstance and situation. I think it goes to the authority of Jesus. Whatever you're walking through, one word from Jesus can calm the storm. Can calm the storm. But look what he does. He goes on and he says, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And watch what he says. And he said to them, why are you still afraid? Have you still no faith? That would imply what? That he's been trying to help them understand. Hey, faith. Let's build your faith. I'm with you. I'm for you. Haven't you seen all the things I've done? Haven't you seen how I've been with you and for you all along the way in your life? Haven't you seen how, look, I am here. Yet, why do you have no to little faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea would obey him. You see, I think it's interesting that he spoke to the storm because I think it was easier for him to speak to the storm than to speak to the disciples. You see, but here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to get today. As you're looking for hope in moments of uncertainty, God can always speak to the storm, but he would much rather speak to your heart. There's a storm raging on inside of you, and you think if your circumstances, if God would just change your circumstances, then it'll fix it. You see, God, he will, he will work and do things in us to get to the issues of our heart, because that's what he's wanting to establish. That's what he's wanting to develop. And when you embrace and recognize the answer to the problem that I have, the change of the circumstance or situation is not the solution. Peace be still comes to the storm that's inside of you. The external may continue to go on, but you can have hope in a moment of difficulty, uncertainty, challenge, crisis, pain, struggle, hopelessness. You can have hope because of the hope that's in you, the hope that he brings. You see, peace wasn't found in the absence of the storm. It was found in the presence of Jesus. It's not the absence of the storm that brings peace. It's the one who can speak to the storm, peace be still. It's in him that you find peace. It's in him that you can navigate a season of uncertainty and you can see where and how he's working and moving. You see, we've all experienced that. We've all experienced uncharted waters. We've all experienced a storm. For some of you, your, your sense to a storm and your awareness to a storm has been heightened over the last 8 to 12 months. And it's just been seemingly ongoing. 
people have been in storms. Some people have been in, you, you know, some people, the storm you've been in has been like a light sprinkle. You actually kind of enjoy it. You're like, I like kind of the change and all this stuff. It's kind of like when it's kind of drizzling outside and you let the kids go out and play. It's like, all right, there's no lightning. No one's going to get struck by lightning. Uh, you know, okay, go out and run around and play in the rain, okay? And it's kind of, you enjoy it. But, but some of you have been in the middle of a storm where it's like torrential downpour, and it's one thing after another after another, and you're going, what is happening, and will this ever let up, and things, water levels are rising, and you, you have worry of uncertainty, is there going to be flooding, is there going to be this or that, or maybe you're in the middle of a hurricane. I lived in southeast Louisiana for 13 years. We experienced hurricanes. You knew when it was coming, and you knew when it would get there, and even though you knew it didn't keep the hurricane from coming, those winds coming and ripping roofs off a building, the storm surge coming in and demolishing buildings and, and sucking things back out to the ocean. I can remember right after Katrina being actually in Mississippi, and we were in a town, and you could see, it was called a town, it was, the town was called Pass Christian, and you could see on the beach, you could see, at about 20 feet up where the storm surge had hit all these trees. And there were houses that were leveled. You may feel that's the storm you're in. That's where you're at. Now, I don't know where you are and what you've walked through. I know for me, yeah, it may have been challenging personally. But I know for me, it hasn't been what it has been for others. I know people who have lost jobs. People who have lost loved ones. And that's outside of the fact that... Life still goes on. There's other things that happen, and there's weddings happening, and there's, there's deaths happening, and there's births happening, and there's school happening, and there's work happening. Life still goes on. What does it look like for you? People are in a storm, even just practically. Up to this point, 66 million people have applied for unemployment. In one week, there were 6.6 .6 million people early on that applied for unemployment. That was more than any single week during 08 in the housing crisis. People who have lived or lived during the Great Depression say, this feels more like the Great Depression than the Great Recession. Lots of uncertainty, lots of concern, lots of worry. So what do we do? How do we find hope in moments of uncertainty? Because you're all going to have it. It's not about the current season we're in. Because there will be more moments later on, a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where you will be stepping into a moment of uncertainty. But you can rest assured and know that you can have hope. Well, the first thing is this. It starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Well, you say, oh, Pastor Chris, that's pretty obvious. Well, yeah, it's obvious. It's pretty simple, but not always real easy. It starts with Jesus because your peace can't be dependent on what you can control. You see, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Your hope is not found in certainty and clarity itself. Your hope is found in the one that gives clarity, the one that gives peace, the one that gives certainty. So when everything else around me seems and feels uncertain, I can have certainty knowing that my hope is in Jesus. You see, you can't choose your storm, but you can choose your Savior. What are you going to turn to in moments of uncertainty and worry and fear and panic? If you're anything like me and you got control issues, you try and figure out the best way to how, how am I going to control it? How am I going to solve this situation? How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to do these things? I'm going to do this and this and this. You can try all day long. All of you know 
The more you try and control a situation and try and manage things to obtain peace, it actually leads to less peace. It actually leads to less peace. You got, well, I'm going to control this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do it. You you're just more and more anxious over and over and over and over again. You can have peace, and peace is found in Jesus. You see, the soul level peace that we're all looking for is only found in Him. It's not found in anything else. It's not found in anyone else. It's only found in Jesus. And when I focus on Him, here's what begins to happen I become more grateful. And it allows me to focus on gratitude for what I do know rather than what I don't know. You see, gratitude is the shortest lived emotion. If you want to find hope in moments of uncertainty, start with gratitude. We all experience disappointment. The road out of disappointment is paved with gratitude. Jesus, thank you for what I do know. I'm not going to worry about what I don't know. The reason it's the shortest lived emotion is because we forget the generosity of others real quickly. Or... The worry of what we don't know crowds out the joy of what we do know. Gratitude. Gratitude. I'm going to be grateful. God, thank you. You're good and you're faithful and you work and you move. And the reason this is hard is because God will always challenge our mind to get to our heart. You go, well, Pastor Chris, if you knew what I was going through, if you knew what was happening in my marriage, if you knew what was happening in my finances, if you knew blah, 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 you fill in the blank. You can still be grateful. You have breath in your lungs. You have a Savior who loves you. And he's with you and for you in the middle of your storm. And he can speak and will speak to the storm. But more than anything, he's wanting to speak to your heart. It's gratitude. You see, when I have gratitude, here's what begins to happen. This is the third thing. It allows me to develop depth in the areas that matter. The areas that matter. Develop depth in the areas that matter. You see, 1998, Nagano, Japan, it was the 88 Olympics. It was a snowstorm. Shut down the Olympics for three days. Massive snowstorm. Yet, in the middle of this snowstorm, I've never been to Japan, but I've seen the pictures. There's a tree that in the middle of all of this, such a storm that it shut down the Olympics for three days, still had blossoms and fruit. The Japanese cherry blossom, they say, the roots go deep enough that it touches soil that is warmed by volcanic activity. How deep are the roots of your life going? How deep down? You, you, in the middle of chaos and death, a frozen landscape on the surface, you can still be bearing fruit and you can still be blossoming where you're planted because the depth of your roots is going deep enough to still have the nutrients that you need for your soul. You can have depth in your life. See, Wall Street says develop depth in your portfolio. The Word says develop depth in prayer. You better develop depth where it matters, where it counts. You're going, I'm going to develop this inside of me. It's the same thing that happens to sea creatures when a storm or a hurricane or a tsunami comes. Wendy was going to be a Marine biologist at one time. She's like, you know, aspirations of, you know, swim with Shamu, you know. I don't know why swimming in a giant tank that's like 80 feet deep with a killer whale seemed like a good idea. But for Wendy at that time, it seemed like a good idea. 
you know, just swim with dolphins and, you know, I don't know, play catch with sea urchins. I don't know, do you do that thing? Maybe not, I don't know, maybe they poke you, whatever. It's like, what, why? But she loved it. And when you study sea life and you, you, you look at these storms, you start discovering what happens to sea life when a storm comes in. They do one of two things. One is they will leave the area because they can sense it in the ocean. But here's the other thing, is they will dive down deep. They say that when a hurricane comes, that it could be as deep as 300 feet before you stop feeling the effects of the raging waters above. You see, when there's raging waters above you, and there's a hurricane and a tsunami, and the waves are crashing, and everything around you seems chaotic, and it's a moment of uncertainty, you know what you do? Dive deep. Get down in prayer. Get down in trusting God. Get in His Word. That's what David was talking about in Psalms 109. He says, in return for my love, they accuse me. He's talking about people that were coming at him. He was showing kindness and love, and yet they come and they attack And watch what he does. But I gave myself to prayer. In the moment of being attacked, being accused, in the moment of difficulty and a storm raging on in the outside, what is David saying? David said, I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper. I'm going to pray. I'm going deeper. I'm seeking God's presence. I'm diving into his word. Develop depth in the places that matter. And when you de- the way you develop depth, it starts with prayer. It's that prayer life that develops. You go, well, what does that look like? It's just simple and easy. It may feel uncomfortable and new, but it's simply coming to God and asking God for help in the moment that you may have and showing gratitude for how he's been with you before, recognizing who God is and how great he is. Develop a life of prayer because here's what happens. When I develop a life of prayer, I'm able to remember God's goodness and faithfulness. If you want to find hope in moments of uncertainty, remember God's goodness and his faithfulness. Because it's when when you are worried, you have to ask yourself this question, am I looking around with anxiety or am I looking up with gratitude? Am I looking to him with gratitude? Am Am I developing a prayer life? Am I recognizing where and how God has been faithful to me up to this point? You see, remember his faithfulness, not simply the way in which he was faithful. Psalms 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. Now, you know, even just looking at what we're in currently in the current climate of crisis and global pandemic, historians aren't worried about it. You want to know why they look back and they go, well, we've been in crisis before. There'll be another crisis again. We'll work through it. So what are they doing? They're looking back to see, hey, this isn't the first time. It won't be the last time. We're going to make it through. It's amazing how historians and scientists sometimes can have a greater faith than we as believers can. Because sometimes as a believer, it can feel counterintuitive to look backwards. Oh, the old is gone and the new has come. I'm not, I get that. You're right. The old is gone and the new has come. You're not a clean version of your dirty old self. Yes, I get all of that. You're right. You don't need to dwell in the past. We know all the quotes. Don't look in the rearview mirror. That's why the, the, the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Don't look in the All right, but here's what happens. A successful future really is the byproduct of a settled past. 
when you start remembering how God has been faithful to you before, you start recognizing and remembering how he's been with you and for you, what does it do? It fuels your faithfulness. You start seeing how he's helped you move the ball down the field, how he's answered prayer, how he's come out of nowhere, and when you thought he was going to come in one way, he came in like another, and he brought healing, and he brought wholeness, and he changed and transformed your life and impacted your family. Remember God's faithfulness. Ask yourself this. Are you drawing strength from Jesus? Are, are, are you coming to him when you're weary and things are uncertain and you're overwhelmed? Are you going to him with your cares? Are you re recalling his promises? Are you looking back and recognizing how he's been with you in the past? See, here's an interesting point when you look back at the story in Mark chapter 4. Jesus goes on. They get to the other side. He calms the storm. They get to the other side, and, and, and when they do that, he continues to perform miracles. He actually delivers a man who was said to be oppressed by uh, these demonic spirits. He gathers crowds. The actual story of him feeding the 5,000 happens after this. And, and shortly after, right after actually, the feeding of the 5,000, it says that he went off to a place to pray and he told the disciples to get in a boat. Here we are again. And to go to the other side. So they did. And sure enough, when they're in the water, guess what begins to happen? The winds start coming and a storm is coming. Well, what do you think they did? They get a little frantic. And what began to happen as you read in Mark chapter 6, it says that Jesus actually was headed to the other side. He wasn't going to stop. He was just going to pass by. That's what, that's what they say. You going to pass by? No, they ain't pass. Southeast Louisiana, you passing by. He wasn't passing by because pass by means stop. He just kept on going. But they saw him. They saw him, and it says when you read in Mark 6, it says they thought it was a ghost. See, here they are again. In uncharted waters, in the middle of a potential storm, a situation and circumstance that seems familiar, and yet here we are just two chapters later. He's walking by on the water, and they don't even recognize him. You see, how many times has he been there for you before, and you didn't recognize he was there? How many times have you been in the middle of a storm, and you're worried and wondering, God, do you, Jesus, do you even care what's happening and he's in the boat with you, and he's for you to speak, peace, be still. Not just to the circumstance, but to our hearts.